0: Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.
1: Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, ready to ride.
0: Here's Chad and Nate. Happy Monday to you out there. Nate and I here at UC Health Training Center once again. Ah, man. Another week of Broncos camp. This is going to be a fun week. Preseason game, 7 p.m. Saturday night against the Dallas Cowboys. Dual practice here, or or what what do they call these now? Is it a dual practice? Is it a scrimmage? Is it a joint practice? I think it's a joint practice. It's a joint practice. Well, it is Colorado. Exactly. Um, exactly. So that will be Thursday. Yeah, the stakes are high. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And uh, you were out here on Saturday, my man. So you got a chance to see. What went down on Saturday, the second uh, what uh, padded practice of last week, a little bit more physical work as well. Uh, maybe the best day of training camp, or was it Thursday?
1: I would say it was the best. I, I, I would say because it kind of scratched that itch of being just a full padded training camp practice that we're used to. A couple things happened that we're used to seeing at a football practice. One was one-on-ones. Yes. And another one was a fight. Yes. So it, it was like, you know, it was practice number three in full pads. So, typically at this point in a normal normal training camp, air quotes, you've got like eight of those already under your belt, you know. So, so they've only had three of those, but but I was happy to see the one-on-ones because you got to see receivers going against DBs and going to get the ball. Tight ends had one-on-one routes as well. And then you had a, a scrap between McTelvin Aguim and number 68 uh, offensive lineman. Zach Johnson? Zach Johnson. Big Zach. And McTelvin was throwing like throwing punches, man, and he kept going with it. He's, but they were like slaps, and he was like, nah, 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 nah. Richie's across the hall, the table from me, and I'm simulating it on Richie. I'm not actually hitting. But, uh, yeah, not wise to throw a punch at a helmeted head.
0: No, it you hurts. Know what I mean, It hurts.
1: But uh, ultimately, yeah, it was like a two, two-and-a-half-hour practice. They didn't wrap up until almost 12.30. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the hill was full up there, and Brandon Marshall was around here filming some content, so we got him on the show, and we got to interview Kendall Hinton after the show, and Draymond Jones came on, and And so did Max Borgie. So we had some cool conversations with players. I got to talk to them about the process and asking Draymond Jones how he liked the lack of contact. And if he needed, you know, it to be more physical for him to get ready to play. He said no. He said he'd been tackling guys since he's eight years old. He knows how to do that. And so... I guess if that's the sentiment shared by the defense, and really the defense needs to get ready for physical action too, it's not just the offensive line, but if the defense feels comfortable with the practice schedule, I gotta, I gotta accept that maybe that's the way to go.
0: Yeah, today will be practice number eleven of this training camp. Tomorrow is another long practice, ten a.m. to twelve thirty. I expect it to be fully padded before a light day on Wednesday, and again a joint practice against the Cowboys on Thursday, which will also be fully padded. So uh, yeah, it's uh, the the real football has kind of returned a little bit yeah uh certainly not the training camps of old that you and i went through uh the you're allowed to have per the cba 15 padded practices during this preseason period of time so uh saturday made fully padded practice number three yeah so the broncos are certainly behind the schedule i think uh they will continue to add those on again there's another one tomorrow another one thursday so it'll continue to go as the preseason moves along But I don't think – They
1: probably won't even get to 10.
0: Yeah, I don't think Nathaniel Hackett and his staff are going to get anywhere near the maximum of 15 allowed practices.
1: Yeah, do you think Seattle's going to push 15 probably?
0: Uh, You know, uh, I I haven't heard what Seattle's doing. I know they had a uh, mock game. Uh, on saturday right that's something that pete carroll certainly believes in a lot of game-like situations it helps the coaches as well coaches are on the sideline outside of the pete carroll's the only one on the field kind of thing so they're working on the communication and all those kind of things so it's a little bit of a different structure than what we've seen here in broncos country but it is uh uh pete's such a physically minded guy he wants to win the game with defense and a powerful run game it's hard to imagine that they're not a little bit further ahead from a padded practice standpoint
1: so that's going to be a really good an interesting test between those two teams facing up off on week one. And so, you know, the camp the camp process will be different between those teams. The the padded nature of practice is probably a lot less here. So we'll see who's more ready for the physical aspects of the game week one. And if the Broncos go out there and kick the crap out of the Seahawks, then we'll just <laughs> shut up, right? We'll shut up forever. But, um, but until then, I think we'll speculate because it is unusual for us to see that. What, something you just mentioned about coaches being on the sideline instead of out there in the huddle. I think that's very valuable for these players to get a sniff of that, because look, you, you I looked at the roster this morning. You know how many coaches are listed on the coaching uh, on the roster? I don't know,
0: 22. 30.
1: Wow. 30 coaches. Now, now there's strength coaches around right. there, and there's like an, you know some kind of there's a really interestingly named coach, um, instructional designer.
0: Yes that's a uh, hackers boy who's the coach', coach. Who's coaching the coach's coach that guy yes. the coach
1: is coaching up the coaches when they coach telling them how they coach but like yeah there's 30 of those guys and 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 so you know you subtract the strength coaches and maybe that guy there's 25 dudes out there on coaching every day and and their voices start to get in your head you know they're, tell, they're showing you the script right before you run on. They're showing right. you, okay, what to watch for and all that, and you come right after play, you run right back to where your coach is behind the play, and he tells, tells you him it right. right away like what you did. So that's, that's not going to happen on game day. It doesn't? No, it's just you out there, uh-huh. right? And so I always, I always said that coaches just disappear on game day. At least right. to me they did. All of a sudden all those voices, they just disappear. It's the, it's the voices of the crowd and the sounds of the game and stuff, and the coaches, you just cannot rely on them on game day to feed you your lines, to tell you where to line up, to tell you what's going on. It's just you out there. It's very refreshing. And so I think to dial up that scenario in practice, to get the coaches off the field is huge.
0: Yeah, so uh, our analysis of training camp 2022, ready to ride, is presented by Elite Sportsbook. Yeah, I, I think at some point uh, Coach Hackett and his staff have to begin to remove themselves from being that kind of mass huddle behind each group offensively and defensively and begin to coach from the sideline as you do during a game. The, the, The communication, the hand signals, all those things need to be stepped up a level or two to be able to operate in that way rather than just running back and having your coach tell you right behind the drill what's happening or when he goes to a rookie and says, hey, watch uh, watch Nate on this play because you're going to get this route later. Right. That doesn't happen in the game. Right. So you need to be dialed in yourself. You need to be mentally prepared for all that. So I, I suppose that's the next level to see this team go through. At first we were worried about is there going to be enough physical practices? Well, they're starting to do some physical practices. another one of those coming tomorrow. Is there going to be practices that are long enough? Now they've had a couple of those two-and-a-half-hour practices. Uh, it, Is there going to be enough uh, physical practice where guys are getting at each other? Well, we saw our first practice fight on Saturday. So these questions we've been having and things that have been unusual and lacking from the first uh, week or so, week and a half of Broncos practice are now beginning to show up.
1: Yeah, they're now beginning to show up, and this is game week now. Yeah. This is game week. The Cowboys are coming in. And it'll be interesting to see how they structure that practice. If they do some move the ball. Peri- like, just, you know, you've got to collaborate. Coach Hackett has talked about his relationship with Mike McCarthy. They've known each other forever. He's known him since he was a kid uh, because his, he was around coaching since he was a kid. So I imagine they'll be able to create something that's dynamic enough so these teams can, can simulate a game as much as possible. There, there has to have been a philosophy behind only doing one practice instead of two. You know, Mike Kliss has talked about in his years of watching it, the first practice, one team kicks one team's butt. Then they go home and get yelled at by the, their coaches in the next day. There's some fights and some tension as the other team tries to settle the score. And then on game day, hopefully everything's awash and there are no hard feelings. But sometimes the hard feelings do carry over to the game. And sometimes guys do get stretched out trying to, you know, get in fights or or getting upset. So maybe just the one day is so that nobody gets upset, nobody gets mad. We can get our work in, take a day off, and then go play in the game. But this is game week. The Cowboys are coming in here. They're going to be on this field in a couple days, and it'll be a new challenge for these Broncos.
0: Uh, When you got in the fight with your brother, did your mom make you guys hug it out in front of the whole team, in front of the whole family? No. In the middle of the living room? No. No? No. Okay, so Coach Hackett making those guys hug it out. (laughs) You're okay with that? I
1: guess, yeah. We were joking that he was like – because Hacker was pretty demonstrative. Right. You know, you know he was like g- giving it to him. But we were joking that he was just being demonstrative so everyone could see him. And he was just like, you, you guys are doing great. I'm just moving my hands around right now so everyone sees me being upset. But I'm not upset. I love you guys. You guys are the best. So, hug it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Hackett shows some passion there. Um, obviously, he didn't appreciate the fight. But sometimes brothers get mad, you know. And then after the, and after that, brothers hug.
0: Yes. That's, that's, that's the glue that makes us all stick together. A former Bron- great was uh, in the house on saturday had something to say about this young wide receiver room we'll hear who that was and what he said
2: next live from uc health training center elite sportsbook presents training camp 2022 ready to ride here's chad and nate russ is my guy one of my dear friends and uh, anything i can do to help him on these next ten years that he that he wants, right? Uh, I'm a, I'm gonna be there for him. So being able to go out there and coach up some of the younger pass catchers, uh, that was a big deal, right? So we were able to go out there and 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 you know communicate and, and work on some things, um, just helping out, man. Like this 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 receiver segment is a is a really good room, and to me, I don't know why people don't have them in their top five, but obviously huge impact you know it was impacted when when pat went down but i still love this receiver core
0: uh nate you and john davis were out here saturday did a couple of interviews so you got a chance to catch up with brandon marshall we just heard some sound from brandon marshall right there uh you know saying some nice things about this wide receiver room uh saying he's perplexed why they're not rated in the top five uh yep I can see why they're not, uh, but I can see the potential in this room as well.
1: Um, Yeah, uh, first I'll say about Brandon, the guy is enormous right now. He's been spending some time in the weight room. The dude is like 250, swole. um, And we saw him in that picture with with the receivers and Russell in San Diego going through Camp Russ. Brandon Marshall knows Russell from his last year, Brandon's last year, in the NFL was in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So they got to know each other and um, think highly of each other and to the point where Brandon is, you know, going to that camp and friends with Sierra and out here talking to Russ and stuff like that. So, you know, you take got to take it with a grain of salt when he evaluates these, these receivers. But at the same time, you know, He knows what he's talking about. He played 13 years as a receiver in the NFL. His numbers are crazy. He's the only Bronco to record three consecutive 100-catch seasons as a receiver. Not DT, not Rod Smith. Brandon Marshall, 07, 08, 09. The guy knows what he's talking about. And he and I were talking as we were watching practice about what we want to see from these receivers. Potential is one thing, right? right? we got to go out and do it. So how are we going to go out and do it? And he was talking about wanting to see that spark. To me, the thing that made Brandon Marshall special as a wide receiver was not his route running. It was after the ball was thrown to him. As a receiver there's two phases of the play. There's the route and then there's the catch. Or there's before the ball is thrown and then after. Once the ball is thrown, the route is over. Now you're tracking an object and you've got to go grab that thing. Brandon Marshall was one of the best ever at doing that. Of going and squeezing it, reaching his hand out and plucking that thing and then turning into a violent runner yep. after the fact. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, he catches the ball and now it's on. Now it is on. So go ahead and try to tackle me. You're going to, get, you're, you're going to get punished for it. And he and I were watching practice together and looking for that mentality. from who, who, What receiver has that? That's why we talk about one-on-ones as being important because that's where you get to see who has that in them. If I ask you, how, how's Trey Quinn looking out here? How's Travis Fulgham looking out right. here? How's Jalen Virgil looking out here? How's Caden Davis? No, nobody knows. You say, mm-hmm. I don't know, because mm-hmm. you don't see the ball going to them ever. To discover what these guys have, their ability to catch the football, their ability to attack it, you got to throw it to them, and that's what one-on-ones are for. It's coming to you no matter what. And I know people say it's not real football. Look, the pressure is higher when it's one-on-ones than it is versus, uh, on a team play because all eyes are on you. The ball's coming to you, so what are you going to do with it? There's going to be some point in this season, probably in the back half, where some of these guys that are in the bottom of the roster right now are going to have to have valuable minutes, are going to be in a game in two minutes, and are, are going to have an important play to help you win the game. Who are those guys? So... Um, I think Brandon Marshall and, and some other things he said were interesting. Russell Wilson's trying to play 10 more years. That's not, that's not hyperbole.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He wants to do, have a 10-year run. Here's the quarterback of the Denver Broncos, and Brandon said, I'm going to help him you know, in any way that he needs my help. Russell Wilson surrounds himself with people that he, whose opinion he values, who he thinks are good influences on his perspective, on his life, and Brandon is one of those guys. And so it was cool to see, hear Brandon's perspective. Yeah, are they a top-five receiver crew?
0: Probably not yet. Can they be? Who knows? Uh, reading from uh, Brandon Marshall's Wikipedia page, uh, cornerback Brandon Flowers said, Brandon Marshall is a defensive lineman playing wide receiver. He wanted to inflict punishment on you. He wants you to try to tackle him so he can shove you off and get more yards. Uh, cornerback, uh, another cornerback, Brandon Marshall is the toughest guy to bring down one-on-one. Uh, he was known for breaking uh, tackles and his ability to dodge tackles as well. Is there a receiver? uh in this receiver room who has anywhere near that same ability as Brandon Marshall?
1: No, but there's not a lot of guys in the league who do right right. Now. you know what I mean like AJ Brown might have that. Um, yeah AJ Brown is a, is a running
0: back playing receiver absolutely. yeah
1: but 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 there aren't a lot like you know Jamar Chase isn't that guy. Nope. Um, you know Tyreek Hill isn't that guy. Um, Devontae Adams really isn't that guy. no nope. so who but but having that guy. While he's hard to find, is a is a huge boon for your team and a huge inspiration for guys behind him. I think one of the biggest problems for this receiving crew, not just the receivers but the tight ends last year was the lack of yards after the catch. The lack of making plays after you got the ball in your hands. Yeah. So that's a that's a you know, something that these these coaches should stress, do stress I'm sure, but it's hard to practice that. And you don't know that until the, the lights are on, so to say. So um you know, Tim Patrick wasn't necessarily that guy. He was an aggressive, he is an aggressive pass catcher, but he's not lethal with the ball in his hand after the fact. I think Cortland Sutton has the biggest potential on this team to be that guy. Maybe Montreal Washington as well. Well, we haven't seen him really do it. But Cortland, just because of his size, mm-hmm. his physicality, there right? There you go. Uh-huh. Um, this is a guy who could do that. If, but it's an attitude thing, you know? And and, and so you got to remind Cortland Sutton that he can be, Debo out here. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about Debo Samuel. I'm I'm talking about Debo from Friday. Yes.
0: <laughs> Nate Tiny Lester. Uh more we heard more from uh, Brandon Marshall as well about this wide receiver room.
2: The way if I know Russ, I don't think it's about a number one. Mm. Like Russ Russ got Russ has guys like this is what you do well. We're going to do that. Right. This is what you do well, uh Jerry Judy, we're going to do that. And he leans into that. So one game you can be the number one in the next game, you could be the number three. Right. And that's, that's, Russ is all about team. Russ is all about chemistry and continuity. So the, those guys gelling and knowing their role is going to be extremely important if they want to have success soon. Like it's not like old school football, like how we were, right? Oh, Ron Smith was the X and he's the number one. Then you had Javon Walker on the other side and right. now he's. No, now it's like, look, this is the game plan. This is what it takes to get the, the W, and this is what we're going to do. And that's his mindset. That's Russell's mindset. He don't care if, you know, a receiver has two catches and 40 yards. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, he doesn't care if the receiver has
1: two catches for 40 yards. Brandon went on to say there were times when he only got two catches for 40 yards, and he was mad on the sideline. Right. and Russell would have to come up to him and be like, hey, it's, it's all good, man. Relax, we're going to get the win. You know, and so for, for, for guys who, who are stay chasing stats and who do want – their numbers to be huge it's going to take an adjustment perhaps like we we, we looked like we look back at his numbers last year Freddie Swain was the number 3 receiver and he had what 20 catches or something like that so we're not going to probably see receivers just lighting it up every week this is a this is a team that's putting in a potent running attack who's trying to put in the wide zone who's trying to run keepers and play action off of that and and take what the defense gives them and play this cat mouth game with the defense with Personnel groups that take advantage of whatever the defense puts out there. So it's not really about just airing it out. I know we want to let Russ
0: cook, but more importantly, we want to let Russ win. Can you, I mean, obviously, I've, I've, I've joked with you in the past about wide receivers and personality and need the ball and divas and all that kind of thing. Um, but it takes a certain amount of humility, it takes a certain amount of maturity, and there's not a lot of older guys in this wide receiver room to recognize that game plan and who the opponent is and. You know, who's being double teamed and all those things is going to direct where the football goes rather than just, hey, I'm the number one receiver. I think of myself as a number one receiver. Is there enough of that maturity in this receiver room to be able to handle? Yeah, you got eight catches last week and this week you get two. Uh, and there's no guarantee it's going to be eight again next week.
1: Yeah, I think there is. I think I think you know, certain elements of this room have been humbled over the last couple of years. Jerry Judy being chief among them. when you when you mention that to, in my ears perk up, and I think Jerry Judy's probably the first guy to get, to be upset if he's not getting his catches, right? But at the same time, look at Jerry Judy's last two years. Like I said, Humbly. He thought he was gonna come in and, and just take this league by storm. He has not done that. He's understood and I think he understands that being a professional football player takes more than that. And and so now you're a part of the team. How are you gonna help this team win? Plus you got a new coaching staff, man. You gotta impress these coaches. They don't they didn't draft you. They're not involved in propping up your ego and building you up and trying to make sure you feel okay. They're trying to win football games. No one has more at stake here than Coach Hackett. Okay, he, he has the least amount of time to get this figured out. George Payton, he'll probably be here for a while. Russell Wilson, no problem. He's going to be here for 10 years. A lot of these players will be here long after Nathaniel Hackett. If Nathaniel Hackett can't get it figured out in two years, he'll be fired. So he's trying to do this thing the right way. And, uh, and for that reason, man, all these players have to prove themselves to the new coaching staff. It's not about you. It's about us. How do we figure out a way to compete with these teams in this division who are super, super good? And <laughs> and have had more time together than we have. we got a, a lot to do, not a lot of time to do it. So let's put our egos aside and work as a team.
0: Uh, we got more from Brandon Marshall and uh, his understanding about Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson's handling of that wide receiver room. So we'll get to that. But first how the Rockies fair yesterday. Here's Spilly to fill us in. Spilly. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents
1: Training Camp 2022. Ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate.
2: If I have two catches in the 40 yards, I'm pouting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mad. Yeah, we won, but still I want to have 100 yards every single game. Russ don't care about it. He's going to come Hey, big guy, what's wrong? Hey, big guy, okay? <laughs> no, Russ, I'm not okay. I had two catches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I don't think that's gonna be the case here in this room. We talked about that in San Diego, they talked about it before I even got there. Look, we know that Jerry Judy and Cortland and Pat was there those were the top three. Those were the guys, those were the guys. And even those three, they had to communicate, all right, and be on the same page. And so they're already having those conversations. They have the accountability in that room. It's gonna be fun to watch. Cause that's a big thing, man, because if you're if you put the wrong receivers in there in one room, it can be very toxic, be very bad because you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, we're divas, we're me guys. That's not the case. What it is, it's it's all of my success is in the hands of everyone else. Same thing with tight ends, too. Well, you guys are like unicorns because y'all, y'all got to know offensive line play. Y'all got to be a receiver. Yep. Y'all got to protect. Gotta know I everything. try to tell these guys that. that they don't, it's the I hardest don't, oh, position. They don't it's don't the mean. hardest position. Yep. They, they, they have more responsibility. Outside the quarterback, they have more responsibility than anybody else on the field.
0: Brandon Marshall talking about... Uh, <laughs> This wide receiver room, Russell Wilson, the attitude this room needs to have. Uh, early in my career as a Pittsburgh Steeler, um, we would win the game, and I would leave the locker room upset. You know, if I got a sack, I should have got two sacks. If I got eight tackles, well, I should have had ten. Um, Everyone's we, like,
1: "Woo!" Chad's like, "Get away from me, man!" <laughs> Yeah. I didn't have my sacks.
0: And I, I look back and I was like, oh, man, I just wasted all that energy being mad and upset and not just embracing and enjoying the win. But I think it takes some maturity. It takes some football perspective to separate the personal success from the team success. And that's what Russell Wilson's kind of, well, what Brandon Marshall was talking about. And that's what Russell Wilson, I believe, is trying to plant the seed with this wide receiver room and get them to understand in those conversations in San Diego early on. That this may be the case. You cannot judge this season or your your success in a vacuum from the team's success. So, uh, yes, these guys are going to have to be able to accept that, uh, you know, maybe this is not my weak mentality and still go out and practice just as hard, run all your routes just as hard with the expectation, hopefully I do get ten, but I may only get two this week.
1: And that's such a challenge, I think, in today's NFL because it is really all about your numbers fantasy football's all about the numbers of one guy yep. right and so and so your contract is, is basically about your numbers your incentives in that contract based about on your numbers and maybe some playing time but mostly your numbers the attention you get on, on the internet on TV all about your numbers and so a huge challenge for for a, for a ball coach in today's NFL to convince the guys that it doesn't matter who gets that ball it doesn't matter who gets in the end zone. A football play on offense is about ten dudes trying to create an opportunity for one dude to move the rock, right? Um, and so um, it takes it takes good leadership, man. It's not just the coaches; it's it's the leaders, it's the veterans in that locker room to you know to examples you just used to when you don't have the stats, but you do have a win, not being grumpy about it, you know, and showing the young guys that look, I can be happy for a team win even when I don't necessarily get mine. and um, But a receiver is on an island, and, and he is judging his... Man, th- these guys next to us are uh, playing catch with a football and I've never seen. I, I've never seen him catch it. I haven't <laughs> seen him catch one ball. Come on, Vic, you're better than that, I think. Oh, he's still whining about his hand. <laughs> no, nah, but um, it, it's cool to hear the the maturity of Brandon Marshall and, and having learned that and learned how valuable a portion of that is. Um did anyone ever pick up on that? Your, t- your teammates, were they ever like, why, Chad? Like, w- w- why are you so mad, man? We just won.
0: It wasn't as if I was, you know, uh, some diva, and it had to be all about me. I, I thought was, the receivers were the divas. I know. I know. But it wasn't that way for me. It was just a competitive thing. I've always I always wanted to do more, and I wasn't satisfied. So while I, I've always joked with you about the wide receiver thing, I do recognize the competitive component in that. And, yes, if I have a successful game as a receiver, that tends to lend itself to team success. So I can see why receivers, you know, on one hand get a bad rap, but on the other hand are able to defend that kind of attitude because if I if I got 200 yards today, that means the passing offense was great.
1: Yeah, you believe in your own talent. And so the, every receiver thinks, if you throw the ball to me more, we're going to win. Right. It's not about me getting mine. It's about us winning and me understanding that that's the path to victory. Throw me it's the, all through me. Throw, if you throw me the ball every play, <laughs> we will win. Right. Like we will score a lot of touchdowns, you know. And I think every receiver th- – th- th- believes that to an extent so it is important to swallow your pride and understand that there is only one football there's a lot of dudes out here who make a ton more money than i do and there's only one football how else can i help this team that's what these receivers and and really every every skill position player is trying to figure out
0: yeah so uh i think it's interesting that russell wilson you know becomes that guy on the sideline to You know, get to Brandon Marshall and say, hey, man, you know, it's just not going to be that way today. Or we'll make sure you get yours in the future. Uh, Whatever calming, consoling, uh, yet uh, promising words he can give out. Uh, Sometimes as a quarterback, I think you are forced to do that since you are the distributor of the football. Uh, When those guys come to you and we've seen receivers, we've seen T.O. get mad at his quarterbacks on the sideline. Puts the quarterback in an awkward spot. Doesn't help anybody when the receivers begins to demand the ball during the game and on the sideline. Now, what's the quarterback supposed to force the ball to you? What about the other guys in the field who are working to get open? That creates an ugly dynamic. So, for Russell Wilson to get ahead of that. Uh, as early in the offseason as possible to have that conversation with those guys in San Diego and begin to plant that seed of that, about the mindset and the mentality with which this room needs to operate. Uh, I think that was really smart. Uh, yeah, it's always better to be proactive than reactive. And for a quarterback dealing with receivers, that's the absolute right way to think about this.
1: Yeah, and it's, and it's also... There's a question mark as to who that guy's going to – because Russell is going to have one guy that he trusts more than others when the chips are down, so to say. It's third and six, and you got mirrored routes. you got Jerry Judy on one side. you got Cortland Sutton on the other side. They're both running slants, and they both see man coverage. So the look is identical. Where is the quarterback going to throw the ball? Okay, that's his preference. Whether it's a, he's picking on a on a corner that he thinks is weak, or he's throwing it to the guy he knows is going to catch it. That's what this practice, these practices, and you know, on, on Thursday against the Cowboys, and then these couple of preseason games are for for Russell Wilson to figure out which of these dudes are going to catch it no matter what. You know, and actually his most reliable target just went down for the season. Tim Patrick is done. He was the most reliable patch, pass catcher on this roster for the last several years. Anyway you look at it, and I know a lot of people have said that he wasn't a number one, he's the number two, he's the number three, blah, blah, blah. He was the best receiver on this team for the last couple of years. Most complete and most reliable. It's not always about the flash plays down the field, you know, when no one's expecting it. It's about who's going to catch the ball when you need it and when you're not open. That was Tim Patrick. You're going to have to throw a ball to a guy when he's not open. Who's going to be the guy who catches it? Is it going to be Jerry Judy? Is it going to be Corlin Sutton? KJ Hamler, Montreal, Washington. Someone else. Someone else is going to emerge. We had um, Kendall Hinton on with us, and I talked. I asked him about, you know, did obviously Tim Patrick's going down was huge loss for your room. Did the coaches kind of put it to you guys like, okay, it's someone else's time to step up. Who's that going to be? We're going to see out there. He says, he said we're all professionals. We we know that they didn't have to say that. You know we all want to be that guy. And so it's not just the guys I mentioned, it's every single dude on here sees that as an opportunity to go out there and become that reliable pass catcher for this team, and that's why I advocate for one-on-ones because that's when you get to see these guys do that stuff. Otherwise, they can go through a whole practice and not get a ball their way.
0: All right, so we, we started the show talking about uh, some things that happened on Saturday that we hadn't seen so far in training camp. So when we come back, yeah, I want to get your take on the first one-on-ones that we've seen of training camp so far. So let's dive into that next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents training camp 2022 ready to ride here's chad and nate all right nate uh Caden davis continues to streak being the first guy on the field that's right the hill is starting to uh get some bodies in there not quite the capacity crowd we've seen some other days but a nice crowd out there today
1: bodies on the hill today is uh
0: Quite uh, a bit cooler. Yeah, Uh, that heavy rainfall last night cooled things off considerably. In fact, they had to blow the fields this morning to get them dry. So, oh, really? Right now, the temperature is seventy degrees. I wouldn't say I'm chilled. But considering how warm it's been, uh, a long sleeve shirt would have been nice this morning for me.
1: Yeah, I'm wearing pants, man. I'm wearing pants today for the first time in a long time. It was funny. The other day on Saturday, it was hot. It was another hot one out here, and it was super dry. And they were watering this field at the end of the day. And actually, that hill where everyone sits was brown, completely brown from everyone sitting on it. Um, and so much so that I was uh, busting the, the, the groundskeeper's chops about it. I'm like, what is that? What is that? You call that? groundskeeping he's like yeah man that's from our lovely fans okay you know and so so but my point is that it's green again yeah just from that rain last night which was insane so yeah it might could be a sloppy field out here today you could be having some footing issues um i, I don't know if caden davis does he have his shoulder pads on he does
0: so they're they're going he's, is he in full pads no he's no uh, they're shorts those are shorts? Well, he's wearing the game pants as shorts, like the Russell Wilson thing.
1: Yeah, but a lot of the guys do that do that out here.
0: I don't think they're full pants today, are they?
1: I don't know. I don't think they are. But maybe they'll put them on, but just kind of do a shorter practice. I don't know what they're doing. But uh, but it could be some footing issues out here with the rain. So, yeah, a different climate out here today, which is kind of probably really nice to get some, some respite from that
0: heat. It's been super-duper hot. Now, uh, you know, I obviously played with the Patriots. So whenever there was rain... Uh, And the field was going to be sloppy. Coach Belichick would take uh, uh, advantage of the situation. And we would have a mud bowl practice. Oh, They would get the fire hoses out Come on, and make the field as sloppy and as muddy as they possibly could. Wow. And we would have to practice literally in the mud because at some point, you're going to have a rainy game. At some point, we need to learn how to do these things, how to work your footing in the rain, how to work your footing when it's muddy out there. Make sure you don't slip and slide. We, got, we have to be the superior team in these weather circumstances. Then they would take... Uh, buckets of water, giant trash cans full of water, and all the footballs would come out of the bucket of water and go be introduced into play. Oh, wow. So at least one day a year in training camp, we would get that rain in New England, and Bill would know it and that was going to be a muddy, muddy day. And then at the end of practice, we had to practice fumble recovery, and <laughs> we would do like a slip and slide in the rain. Uh, all these guys getting muddy and awesome. It was fun. It what was a interesting, jerk, though, Bill. But it's such Bill Belichick kind of stuff. And that's why you know Matt Patricia, when he was in Detroit, despite them playing indoors, they had a snowy day, and he made them practice outside. Yeah, you can't, you
1: can't transplant it, can you? No, it doesn't and work so, that way. So the uh, larger argument. Uh, could be you know introduced about Nathaniel Hackett doing things the way they did in Green Bay the right. last three years right mm-hmm. with those with those training camps well this is what Matt Lafleur did and it worked really well so we're going to do it here well this is a new team so you got to p- have your finger on the pulse of this team and figure out what they need on a daily basis for example I learned from Kendall Hinton that these guys do not condition at all they're not conditioning after you know in the afternoon on slow days and so are they running enough you know are these guys going to be in good enough shape when you go one on one off or whatever. Bill Belichick, in 22 years in New England, is 254 wins, 99 losses, for a 720 uh, win percentage. Wow! What would his win percentage be if Tom Brady had never showed up in his life? Is he <laughs> that good of a coach, or is he the benefit of the best quarterback
0: who's ever lived? Well, uh, here you know, go. I got to go full uh, Gary Kubiak here. We're fixing to find out.
1: Are we though? Are we ever really going to find out? Yes. Belichick's what? Got what? Two or three, five more years left in him. He's going to ride off into the sunset. So you saying if this year is bad for them, then you'll you'll I mean you you'll determine that it was Tom Brady, no, I and think not Bill.
0: I don't think it's going to be a bad year for them. I think they're you know facing a very talented Buffalo Bills team at the top of their division. But uh, I think again, I thought Bill was the best football coach I've ever been around, and it had you know more to do with Bill than it had necessarily to do with Tom Brady as him being a coach. Uh, but certainly Tom Brady did not hurt that situation up there. But we are going to find out year two with Mac Jones. We'll see if they're able to move forward. I don't think Bill's going to retire without. Trying to at least get back to the top of the mountain one more time. We shall see
1: how it all well, of course plays out. Trying, right? right? I mean, so so are thirty-one other teams, right? right. And you don't have Tom Brady anymore. But and, and apparently, there's some stories out of camp that things aren't looking very good there for the offense. Like you know, Mac Mac Jones is missing some guys, and and he's not looking sharp, and the offense looks discombobulated, and the running game's not working. But I but I've read similar stories out of other camps as well. Yeah, Dak Prescott got booed three uh, yesterday because three plays in a row led to sacks. You know, James Merrillat's talking about how Russell Wilson doesn't look that good out here. He's scrambling around a lot. Th- the timing is off. So are you getting a common theme here? Defenses come out hot out of the gates in training camps and offenses struggle. That's why they practice. You cannot simulate real football in practice, especially in OTAs and mini camps. So the first time you put on pads and try to get this timing down, get the running game down, get the play out, like it looks bad. And it takes a while to get it going. And that's why the limits on practice time is difficult for football teams to navigate, especially teams with new coaches and new systems. When you go up against a team that's been established, this like the Chiefs, for example, who have a system in place and a team in place and a coach in place that's been there for 10 years, you're behind them. So 15 practices for them doesn't do the same as 15 practices does for you. You're still behind them. So that's the difficulty of limited practice time with a first-year head coach.
0: Quinn Myers uh, keeps his streak going to be the second guy out here. Caden Davis always number one. Quinn Myers number two. Uh, Seeing Quinn in the shorts confirms to me. Shoulder pads up top. Shorts down below. It's not a fully padded practice today. Yep. Yep. I believe tomorrow may be fully padded because looking at the schedule, uh, tomorrow does go to twelve thirty. So that's the typically the fully padded practices, and Wednesday's a shorter practice only till eleven thirty. Uh, I think giving them a chance to rest up and prepare for that Cowboys joint practice on Thursday. So uh, sh- will be some physical work today, but not quite the tempo we saw last Thursday or we saw on Saturday. Um, you saw one on ones. And we are just talking about how the defense is further ahead. Uh, just simply from a training camp perspective, pretty much all around the league, defenses are further ahead. We have less to do early in camp until you guys begin to start adding all those wrinkles offensively that we have to respond to. But uh, of all the drills, uh, one-on-one drills, that may be the one that favors the offense the most. There's no pressure on the quarterback. He gets to hold the ball as long as he wants to. Jared Judy can do 27,000 moves in the course of his route to get open. Uh, there's no safety help all that stuff that you typically have in gameplay. So the one-on-one slants itself towards the offense. What did that look like on Saturday?
1: Yeah, it was – they only – they got one rep each because there are 13 receivers and they, and they had the tight ends running routes as well. And so it was, a, you know, a 10-minute period. So each guy basically got one rep. And it was over there facing the end zone. They were going in. And so I didn't really get to see a lot of it. Um, I just saw that they were doing it. And, and look – What is the number one job of a wide receiver in the game of football? Catch the ball. Catch the ball, right? These guys will go a whole practice. There's a reason why um, Caden Davis is out here every morning catching footballs before everyone else gets out here because he doesn't get to catch footballs in practice. He catches tennis balls. Right. (laughs) Catches a whole bunch of tennis balls. But once those individual periods break and they're with team, Caden Davis is not a guy who gets a lot of targets. One-on-one gives you that ability to throw the ball at him. So as a receiver, when you're walking up to to the line of scrimmage on a team period, you don't know if you're getting the ball, and most of the time you're not. Uh, You still run the route as if you're going to, but a lot of times you don't get it. So you don't get to see the second part of the play, which is attacking the football after the throw. Do you have those instincts? Do you have the my ball mentality that Cecil talks about? Some of these receivers do, some don't, but we don't really know because we don't see it. One-on-ones is an ability to see that. There's a lot of pressure on you. All eyes are on you. But also the DBs, you get to see what those guys are all about. You know, I asked you about Travis Fulgham, Trey Quinn, Caden Davis, those guys. How do those guys look? You didn't have an answer. But how about Fayon Hicks, Jaquan McMillan, Damari Mathis? How are those guys looking? You also don't have an answer No, because it's very limited, the opportunities right. that they can go make a play on the ball. One-on-ones, you get that ability to go make a play on the ball. The DBs are at a slight a disadvantage there. But I would you know, uh, take umbrage with your idea that you can just take as long as you want to run a route. The timing is still uh, imperative. And so a quarterback is not going to – so a quarterback in one-on-ones, if, if you're taking too long, he, he throws the ball in the dirt. He does not throw you that pass because it's not realistic. So we still want to work on our timing. We still have that internal clock. We're not trying to take nine seconds to run a route. We just want the ball thrown to us. And it's also important, I think, man, two more points on, one, on one-on-ones for these young guys. You got to throw them a bone every once in a while. They're out here doing a lot of work for mm-hmm. you, trying to give you looks, doing everything they ask. You got to throw them the football, man. And this is a period that receivers cherish. And without Kendall Hinton really coming out and saying it, he said, "Yes, we like this period. You know, yes, this is something we enjoy and gives us an opportunity that we don't get otherwise." But for veterans, it get, if I'm a veteran, six year receiver or whatever it is, I get to work on some things that I don't get to work on. In team periods, I get to work on a specific move, for example, on a specific route. There's one little thing I'm trying to figure out how to do with a body lean and set a guy up that, you know, it doesn't really happen in team practice, but I want to work on it. How do I do it? You do it in one-on-one. So I think it's a, you know, I think it's a crucial period and and I'm glad they did it.
0: I'm hoping that there's more one-on-ones as things move along. Hopefully this week they begin to make it maybe a staple in practice, even if it's just one period, uh, because... You, you want to see your receivers go against the Cowboy defensive backs. And more than just in team play where there's so many variables out there, I think you want to be able to assess your guys in those very specific one-on-one situations. So uh, hopefully that, th- that period crops up a couple more times this week, and we definitely see it on Thursday in that joint practice because, uh, to your point, it's an opportunity for a young guy who may not get enough run during the com- uh, competitive team periods, but it's also a great opportunity for a veteran to go out there and actually practice. When Sometimes when you're in a team period, you're competing, um, but it's difficult to practice. You don't want to pull out this move you're working on in a team period because you want to be able to complete the play and catch the ball and all that. But in those one-on-one drills, that gives you the opportunity to, hey, let me add this tool to my tool belt. Let me add this one more head nod to my double move. All those kinds of things, that's where you hone that stuff in. So it's nice to see that was included in Saturday's practice, and I'm hoping we see more of that as camp goes along. Even if it's just one short period during practice, I'm cool with that. It doesn't have to be a featured part of every day. But uh, at the very least, the inclusion of it, I guess, gives those younger guys particularly a great opportunity.
1: So we talked about Caden Davis being the number one guy out here. We talked about Quinn Miners being the number two guy out here. The number three guy out here consistently every day. We haven't talked about him. He's a draft pick. And Yoma Washington. What have you seen from him? Because he's a giant dude, and he was drafted you know, late in the draft, but he was had a good college career. He's out there number
0: 96, a big dude. Have you seen anything from him? Uh, he's a big dude. He moves well. He's a pretty good athlete. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of pass rush stuff from him. Uh, obviously, I haven't seen one-on-one pass rush just yet. Um, but when they do the outside zone, the, the the movement aspect of defending that play has, hasn't been too much for him. He's not getting swallowed by the offensive linemen or what we call getting double-hatted where they're able to run past you kind of thing in that outside zone stuff. So there's some promise there. I look forward to the game on Saturday to really begin to see these guys full speed and, and really to begin to evaluate and assess some of these younger players. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. You know, uh, Ryan Harris, myself, Steve Levy, we have the call on Saturday night. Uh, so typically by this point, there would have been a maybe a scrimmage or a mock game like they had in Seattle on Saturday where broadcasters like myself get a chance to really see and assess some of these guys before we're forced to kind of talk about them live on air on Saturday. It's probably going to be live on air on Saturday when I really get a chance to see what he brings, uh, play in and play out. Are you going to do like Stink does and have
1: the the listeners give you a, a phrase to use? During the broadcast, do you feel like you're at that point in your broadcast career when you could squeeze something in?
0: Well, it is the preseason. Right. So let's, uh, you you know what? Let's work on our game. You threw it out there. So text line, uh, let's try to remember to bring it up every single day this week. Okay. um, And maybe we can come up with a phrase that I've got to somehow fit into the broadcast. I would love to have a a phrase and have everybody listening when's Chad going to pull this phrase out. So, yeah, let's do that. Let's uh, not make it too challenging. Uh, I'm not as, quite as experienced as Stink, but I do look forward to trying to fit in a awkward word or phrase in uh, that makes people at home giggle and understand. It will be, be kind of a homage to our listeners. I'll be listening, too, man. All right. So when we come back, uh, we have our distractions segment, uh, and you talked about uh, consistency and trust earlier. So I want to get into that, the difference between being a consistent guy and a flash guy and what that means to coaches.
1: Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.